0: Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, the place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. I hope you've had your coffees this morning, because obviously, as you heard that reading from Ephesians today, we move on to uh, potentially a somewhat controversial passage of Scripture uh, as we talk about things like submission and uh, gender roles and these sorts of things. But before we do that, I want us to take a moment just to think of uh, someone in your life who you found to be uh, who, who was in position of leadership over you and you just thought they were a great leader, like they really did a good job. Uh, And if you can think of someone like that, I wonder if you take a little bit more time to just think in your mind, what was it about them that made them good? What was it about about the way they exercised their authority, about the way that they acted uh, and led that uh, made you respond well to them uh, and enjoy serving uh, them? Or what about the reverse? Uh, A leader you've had who was terrible, uh, a shocking leader that you perhaps have had in your life. Maybe you've been thankfully spared such a thing, but probably not. And what was it about them that made them bad, that made them terrible to work for or terrible to serve under? I think that as we think about people who've been in positions of leadership and authority over us and we think about which ones were good and which ones were bad that it tends to be that we admire those who use their position and their power and their authority, not for their own self-service, but for the service of those whom they have been given by God to lead. And likewise, uh, when we experience negative leadership... Uh, Again, it's about the misuse of power, position and authority, uh, not uh, using it for the good of whatever thing it is they're meant to be leading, but using it to serve themselves, get themselves ahead, these sorts of things. And so I think today uh, that as we consider what Paul is talking about uh, between husbands and wives and leadership and love and submission, that it is important that we think about good and bad types of authority that we've experienced in our life uh, as we try to understand what it is Paul is saying. And of course, this is also relevant to you if you're not married today, because either one, you might be one day, uh, or two, uh, marriage is a picture, uh, Paul says, of how the church is to relate to Christ. And so there's something in the interplay of husband and wife relationships that teaches us about how God loves us and how we are to respond to him. But of course I think the first thing that uh, or question that uh, this passage begs is why did Paul write it? Uh, the, the book of Ephesians has been uh, talking all about this wonderful thing that God has done where he's taken us from death to life and we know the first three chapters have been unpacking that big idea of the fact that we were spiritually dead but in Christ we've been made spiritually alive and that other big idea that as a result all those who come alive are now brought together in one new humanity the church so no longer Jew and Gentile but uh, we're now finding ourselves united in Christ because of our spiritual awakening. And then in chapter 4, Paul has started to, uh, and continues through to the end of the book, uh, unpack and outline the way we should live in response to what God is doing. That as we've experienced his grace and mercy in our life, uh, and as we're formed into this new community under him, uh, uh, Paul says the Christian needs to strive for, for living unified, Uh, lives together, and also uh, living a life of purity and holiness. And so Paul now moves uh, in this section and through into chapter 6 into talking about the nature of relationships uh, between husband and wife, between children and parents, between slaves and masters. And I guess the question is, why? Uh, And one scholar, as he reflects on this, gives some, I think, uh, good insight he says the, div- the divine family, that is the-, the church family, ceases to be a credible concept if it itself is not subdivided into human families which display God's love. What is the point of peace in the church if there is no peace in the home? You see, it wouldn't make sense, would it, for Paul to spend all his time saying, be unified, be united, be uh, expressing this togetherness as a church family uh, if he didn't also care about how those Christians then went home and lived too. And so that's why he moves into these much more intimate areas. But of course, uh, uh, it is a difficult uh, reading, isn't it, in our context and uh, space where we live today. Because we we, we often find ourselves, don't we, with the the book of Ephesians, uh, doing a lot of furious nodding. Uh, We're praying to a God who can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Praise the Lord, absolutely. Uh, Christians should be humble and gentle and patient and bear with one another in love. Yes, absolutely, Paul. Uh, We should not sin and let the sun go down on our anger. Absolutely. We should be kind and compassionate and forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven us. Absolutely. And then we get to our reading today, and it says, submit. And we think, whoa, Uh, hold on, Paul. Uh, What are you talking about? Uh, Surely this must be somehow culturally bound. Uh, uh, what, what, What are we to make of this call Paul makes? Well, I think the first thing to say as we seek to understand what Paul is saying is that we think about context. Now, imagine that in my sermon today, I said something like this. Children don't belong in church. They are the church. Children don't belong in church. They are the church. And it was part of my sermon series I was doing on how important children are. Uh, And uh, uh, you've heard me say this, this statement, children don't belong in church. They are the church. But what happens is someone leaves and they go, can you believe it? Chris said children don't belong in church. That's just outrageous. It's the most outrageous thing I've ever heard. We must, we must stop this madman. Uh, and, and people go around and they quote me, and they've accurately quoted me. I did indeed say the words, children do not belong in church in a row. Uh, and, uh, you know, sort of all sorts of controversy ensues. But, of course, the context in which I've said that uh, 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 means I didn't really say that at all, doesn't it? children do not belong in church they are the church in a context of a sermon series on the value and importance of children uh, means that uh, it's quite clear what I meant when I said that Uh, and so context is important whenever we come to seek to understand anything anyone says and particularly when we come to understand the words of scripture And so as we come to this part of Ephesians, as we do when we come to any part of of the Bible, we need to make sure we understand it in context. And we need to uh, make a few assumptions. And uh, one not unfair assumption, I think, is that Paul is a smart guy and he's not in the business of contradicting himself. And so Paul has been talking about how we are all united under Christ, that we've all been saved through faith. And this is not a, uh, something we've earned. It's a gift, a gracious gift that comes to all who believe. Paul cannot be somehow sa- starting to now create subclasses when he's just been talking about uh, the, the beautiful thing that God has done in Christ. Secondly, not only do we have the context of Ephesians and Paul's other letters, but we have the context of the whole uh, council of Scripture, the whole of the Bible. Uh, And as John Stott says, as he begins his reflection on this passage, uh, he says this. In light of the teaching of Jesus and his apostles, we may confidently and repeatedly affirm at least three relevant truths. First, the dignity of womanhood, childhood and servanthood. Secondly, the equality before God of all human beings, irrespective of their race, rank, class, culture, sex, or age, because all are made in his image, and the even deeper unity of all Christian believers as fellow members of God's family and of Christ's body. It is only when these truths are firmly kept in the forefront of our mind that we are ready to consider the teaching of Paul here. Whatever Paul is saying here in our passage today, what he's certainly not saying is that somehow women are less than men, Uh, uh, that somehow uh, they're second-class citizens, uh, that they have access to less grace. None of these things can possibly be what Paul is saying because the context simply doesn't allow us to let him say those things. So what is he saying? Well, let's now, that we've uh, considered the context, uh, get into the bits and pieces of our reading today. It starts off, verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You'll remember back in chapter, uh, in the previous part of chapter 5 that Paul finishes that section last week we looked at with this call to the Christian to be filled with the Spirit and to sing psalms. Uh, and I talked about last week how that was probably uh, a way of Paul encouraging us to, uh, as we're filled with the Spirit, be people who have overflowing joy in our lives. And now I think what he's saying is the second Part of uh, uh, or, or fruit of spiritual of being filled with the Spirit uh, is this life of submission, submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. But what does that actually mean and what does that look like? Well I think again if we think about context and we look at other things Paul says uh, we see in Philippians 2 I think a similar idea though expressed differently. In Philippians 2 chapter 3 Paul says to the Christians there do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourselves. I think. That's a window into what Paul's talking about here when he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Just as we submit to his lordship of our lives and put his needs and wants first as we seek to live as Christians. So in our uh, relationships together with each other, we put the needs of others before our own. And we do that together in community because that's, the, that's what it is to be a person of humility, to seek the good of others first. Paul says that as we live out our Christian life in the church, uh, submitting to one another, and then in the home, we do so in reverence and response to what God has done for us. Uh, we're, we're following Jesus Christ who submitted perfectly to his Father's will and died on the cross for the good of others. Uh, And so if we're going to follow Jesus Christ, the great submitter, then we need to be people who submit ourselves to others too. So out of the call for the submission of us all to one another, Paul then calls a particular uh, class or person... Uh, to uh, a particular type of submission, wives, he says, verse 22 to 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as Christ submits, uh, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I should have uh, handed out a strong drink for around the hour, shouldn't I? Well, I don't think we're in a position to uh, say that it doesn't say what it says. <laughs> like it's clearly talking about our, our need to submit, and we've talked we, of uh, the wife's need to submit. But I don't think what is as clear is what that looks like uh, exactly. So I thought I'd reflect on what I think it looks like because I'm convinced of the, of the principle that is uh, of, uh, of a submissive wife, though that sounds terrible, I, I know, uh, but in, in the best possible sense, but also of a Christ-like husband, which we'll get to in a moment. So what does this look like? Well, of course, y- you know that this is most evidently seen in my own marriage, Uh, And so uh, I'm not talking about anything uh, outrageous. And it might be interesting to ask Elisa over a cup of tea uh, what she thinks uh, this looks like uh, for her. But I think, uh, as I've reflected on this for a while now, uh, that part of what it, it looks like for the wife to submit to her husband is to allow him to... Uh, lead and encourage him to to lead uh, it seems to me and I, I see this in myself that us men folk have, have a tendency to um, kind of stepping back to not taking initiative, to sort of thinking, if we just let the, the wife get what she wants, it'll all I'll have a happy life, happy wife, uh, and, uh, you know, kind of no worries. Uh, and, and what I've noticed, and again, this is just uh, my own experiences and yours may be different, absolutely, is that uh, actually what ought to happen is I ought to step into something and, and take leadership And so I think part of being a submissive wife uh, in in this context is to allow space for for men to, to, to do the job of leading their families. I think that's part of what's going on here. I think as well part of it is encouraging your husband to grow in their faith to allow them to explore their faith so that they can become better husbands. And I think as well it's encouraging and giving space to allow them to work hard in their callings as both husband, father and whatever kind of work it is they've been called to. We do note though that whatever it is, the submission that uh, Paul is calling the wife to here is based on her submission to the Lord. Submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And so just as we're called as Christians to submit to the government, but we are actually allowed to break the law. If the government does things that are contrary to uh, uh, the gospel and to our calling as Christians, we don't have to to follow that. And I think the same thing can be said here, that what it also looks like is not allowing, not submission carte blanche, not just uh, doing whatever the husband says that when Paul says in everything he doesn't actually mean literally you must do whatever your husband says it's not talking about that at all the wife is called to uh, submitting to uh, someone who acts uh, in accordance with God's standards and we see what God's standards are in verse 25 don't we Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The husband called to self-sacrificial Christ-like love for his wife. Now, I think it's quite interesting at this point because as I reflect on these passages, and I've spent a long time talking about what the wife is called to, uh, I, I actually sort of feel like, and maybe it's just because this is the bit that applies to me, but I kind of think we spend all our time worrying about the fact that Paul said, wives, submit to your husbands, uh, and none of the time thinking about the fact that the husband is called to live the kind of uh, love his wife with the kind of love that Christ loves the church. Self-sacrificial, go to your cross and die for her kind of love. I mean, it's hard, yes, for the woman... Uh, to to read those words, submit. But I've got to love my wife like Jesus loves the church. I think the outrage ought to be at verse 25. Uh, uh, This call to self-sacrificial Christ-like love. And I suspect that, in fact, the real problem people have with verse 22 of the call for wives to submit is not the call to submission, but the failure of generations of husbands to love like Jesus loves. Note too, that the husband's authority is only valid if the husband is seeking to love his wife sacrificially. There's no room in what Paul is saying for the kind of overbearing, ungodly, Abusive man who uh, demands his wife's submission. This does not square with the book of Ephesians or the scriptures as a whole. The husband has no authority to demand such uh, totalitarianism uh, and uh, demand such unreasonable and ungodly and inappropriate uh, uh, kind of uh, submission from the wife, and so wives, if you don't have a husband who loves you like Jesus loves you, if there's abuse in your relationship, if you're recoiling today because uh, you hear these words and you think this is an invitation for another beating or some other form of abuse, then let me hear, he, let you hear me say that that is not okay. And, in fact, if that is your situation, that you need to get help and you need to uh, come and speak to me, uh, or there's um, some information in the sermon outline today with a helpline that you can call for the Tasmanian violence support, uh, family violence support line, uh, which you can call uh, sometime if uh, that's you, because your husband is called to love you like Jesus loves you. And Jesus' love is self-sacrificial, self-denying love for the good of the church. And so your husband's love needs to be self-sacrificial for the good of you. Verses 26 and 27 unpacks a little more of the kind of love Jesus has for the church. And we see there, therefore, the kind of love we need to have for our wives as husbands. That we need to love them in such a way that works for their good and for their flourishing. And so I want to ask the husbands here today how they're doing that. How are you loving your wife so she can flourish, so that she can uh, grow, so that she can be all that God has called her to be? Are you denying yourself and enabling her to live the kind of life God has called her to live? You see, actually we have here two sides of that first verse of submission to one another. Two people seeking the good of the other so that both can express their love for God together. Well, marriage ultimately is a picture of the church. And in verses 30 to 32, we see that the love and submission of a marriage Uh, that works well points us to our spiritual reality as members of the church our union with Christ is as full and complete if not more full and complete than the union of husband and wife for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh this is a profound mystery but I'm talking about Christ and the church Just as we become one in marriage, so you and I, through faith in Christ, have become one with him. We are united with him. And so marriage is a picture of that beautiful relationship that we have with Christ. Self-giving love and submission. Well, Paul rounds off this section, and I'll round off uh, this message by saying in verse 33 however each of each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband it's a summary statement i think of all he said so far about husband and wife relationships that the husband is to uh, act in a way that seeks to love his wife and the wife is to act in a way that seeks to respect her husband uh, and I could talk a lot more about that, but today I just want to point you to a book. Uh, it's called Love and Respect. Uh, it's a book that Elisa and I read uh, when, in the early days of our marriage. The love she most desires, the respect he desperately needs, is the subtitle. And it's by a guy called Emerson Egrich, Uh And it's a very profound book, and it's a reflection not only on these verses of Ephesians, but on this uh, man's career as a, as a counsellor and a psychologist dealing with hundreds of couples. Uh, and he kind of goes through and talks about this uh, love and respect dynamic between husband and wife and, and how it kind of can work together uh, to create uh, a beautiful cycle of love uh, together. And I'm not speaking to you as a guy who's got it right and perfect. Right? I'm just speaking to you as a guy who's on the journey, uh, seeking to try and love his wife as best he can, and whose wife is trying to love and respect me as best she can. So I pray that as you reflect on this, you'll be encouraged, uh, encouraging your faith as you are reminded of the union you have with Christ, the close and intimate union that you have with him and his deep love for you. And I pray God would fill you with his spirit as you seek to live lives of submission and love, both to God, but also in the context of your marriages. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.